0: Welcome to the Better, Faster, and Happier podcast. I am your host, Nancy One, and it's a pleasure to have you back. And for those who are new... Welcome to the club. Welcome to the podcast where we basically just get down to the detail, or not to the detail, but we cut straight through the BS when it comes to culture change. And the reason why is because we think that there's too much of a myth around culture change. And as a podcast, we have one mission, one mission only, and that is to make work meaningful and fun. And we want to learn about how we can make this a reality by talking to the thought leaders, experts, academics, businesses around what are they doing to radically change the way they work, and ultimately, what are they doing to make organizations better, faster, and happier. So in this podcast episode, I had an awesome conversation with Gideon, who is part of Organized Agile from the Netherlands. I'll get into a bit more into that once we play the episode. But key takeaways from this episode is that When it comes to selecting what tools we use, whether we wanna work with Kanban or Scrum, whether we wanna use OKRs to set our goals and to set what's important, it's really valuable that we have a clear idea around what is the culture we're trying to build. And from that point, really reverse engineer back to selecting the type of tools we want. So for example, if you wanna build a culture that's where at the heart of it, it's autonomy, and that's something that you really, really, really are passionate about, Be clear about what that means to you. Be clear about what that looks like in your workplace. Because ultimately, if that is something that is at the heart of your organizational culture that you're trying to build, the identity, it starts to shape how OKRs are created, how they're used in the organization, the conversations we build around it. What tends to happen, because we don't necessarily have an idea We haven't done our homework around what that culture looks like, what we value, what's the identity. It starts to feel like the blind is leading the blind. And then we bang our heads against the wall because none of these frameworks are working according to us. But these are just tools at the end of the day. If you don't have a purpose for this tool, if you don't have a vision or an idea of what it is you want, then the tool just becomes inevitably, it doesn't serve its purpose. It doesn't add value. It becomes an overhead. And I I honestly think that's basically what you have, even with agile transformations. We cling on to the trend. We don't have an idea what it is we actually want. And that's something that I really got away from uh, my conversation with Gideon. Something else I got away from it, and please do stay and, and listen to it because he does really give some really great tangible examples. One of them being... Having cultural engineers, uh, why is it only technical engineers and designers? It's also really interesting. We were also talking, at least I think it was this episode. If it's not this episode, I promise, I promise, I promise we will add it. I say we, but at the moment it's only me running this podcast, but I promise that if it's not in this episode, let me know in the comment or just drop me an email and I'll make sure that we get this content out there. But something that was really, really crucial in my conversation with Gideon is that The organization that you see is the product of the leadership team. And what I mean with that statement is that the software products that engineers build that are given to the customers, that same analogy, in that analogy, I would say, the product is the organization and the customers are the people who come and work. And that basically means that a leadership team serves its people. It serves its people as customers. And what that means is that just like we have feedback loops with an organization and its customer, the leadership team needs feedback loops between the organization itself, this intangible product service that they're giving to people to come and work for them. They need feedback loops with these with the people that are working for them to really understand, like, are they making their customers happy? And we need people in the leadership team to start operating as a scrum team, essentially, which... On its own is a wild concept, right? Because how great would it look like if we had head of product, head of tech, and the CEO, head of finance all coming together looking at a scrum board? And I think the way how they communicate and the way how they collaborate will start to actually add value to the rest of the organization. There's something that there's a quote, and I don't remember from who it was, but it was this idea of if you want high quality outcomes, you need high quality relationships. And when you look at how the relationships are between people in a leadership team, the way how you can assess if they communicate a lot or if they collaborate well is by looking at how the different departments actually work together. Unfortunately, I've been in situations where I've seen head of products and head of tech just dislike each other fundamentally or head of sales really disliking the head of product And it's almost like you are dealing with a bunch of kids. I don't know how else I can put it in a really nice way. But I think by understanding the human element of the relationships that might not exist or the relationships that are broken amongst people in a leadership team, by looking at that, that's the elephant in the room. That's the part that we have to try and start solving. And just talking to Gideon really opened my mind in a sense where all of these things started to make sense. These patterns around these challenges I've been seeing, they make sense. Essentially, people just aren't getting along. So maybe we should go into those areas and make those areas better in terms of the relationships that people have at a leadership level so the rest of the organization can crack on with things and make some magical stuff. Either way, Stick tuned, listen to the podcast or listen to this episode that's coming up. If you enjoy the structure where I give you a bit of a description before the episode plays... Let me know in a feedback. My email is nancy.atwawan at gmail.com. I'll make sure it's in the description box so you can email it to me. We're still looking for guest speakers. We've got some awesome thought leaders and academics who study human behavior in organizations. We've got them lined up. We even have some awesome companies, one that is a restaurant here in London, and they are all about sustainability. And I am so curious around what they're doing for the nature, for the environment, but also what they're doing for their people to make this one of the best places to work for. And I'm also going to talk to some people who've had a really bad experience with initiatives and cultural change programs. Because as much as we want to talk about successes, I think this is a podcast that needs to get straight to the point, cut through the BS, and also share some lows. So I'll definitely be doing my best looking for speakers around that. But anyways, stick tuned. Enough about me. Just get straight into the podcast. Enjoy So right now I've got Gideon from Organize Agile who do some awesome stuff from the Netherlands, but I won't talk much about what they do because I'm sure he can do a better job at it. So (laughs) Gideon, what do you guys do at Organize Agile?
1: Well, thank you, Nancy, for inviting me. And what we do at Organize Agile is, in a very big picture, changing the future of work. Obviously, that is a big mission for us, but we think it very much befits us because we're trying to make... People think in different ways about work to renew their perspective and to really make them change the way they work so that in the end, we change the future of work. So that's our main mission, but we do that in a lot of practical ways as well.
0: Great. So what are some of those practical ways?
1: Yeah. So the practical ways we do that is by translating what we call social technologies. So social technologies are basically ways of thinking, working, and organizing that are universally applicable. So these could be any social technologies from the field of agile or sociocracy or design thinking or all of the new fields that are basically burgeoning right now. And we're helping organizations really understand those technologies and teams and organizations to apply them. That might be very practical. It might be around decision making, but might be around creating new products or actually creating better and higher performing teams. So It's uh, one big candy story in the end.
0: So I guess that makes you guys the perfect fit for this podcast. So So let's jump straight into it then when it comes to better, faster, happier, what comes to mind when I say that.
1: Right. Well, it's interesting because I, I would say of all these three things, a lot of organizations think or a lot of managers are here saying that those are not goals in themselves, right? So if you say, yeah, you know, we want to create a happier workforce, then some will ask why is happier important, right? If you would ask it of HR, and say, hey, you need a chief happiness officer, they would be like, why do we need that? And is happiness a goal in itself? You could say the same about speed, right? Is speed in itself a goal of an organization? And is making things better a goal of an organization? So these are all big questions. I guess in our philosophy... We think that speed, for example, can be a goal in itself, right? So agility can be a goal in itself, but it has to start with that type of discussion, right? What do we need the speed for? What do we need the happiness for? Or is it really something intrinsic that we just want to achieve because we just like it? Hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I guess how from a, let's say yeah. you were to go into an organization and they said, we want to achieve one of these three things. How do you help them? identify which of these three things is a priority for them
1: right okay I think any organizational change basically should start by looking outward. So not by looking inward too much, but by really sensing what is going on in the environment, what are the main developments that are that you're facing as an organization. Because as an organization, you're always a product of your environment. So it all starts there. And if you have a good view on that, if you have a good understanding of that and empathy, of course, for your environment and your customers, then you can start setting goals. And those could be around getting better or happier or faster or any of those three Mm.
0: so on the topic of sensing. So that becomes really interesting, right? How does one sense? What are the steps you take?
1: Right. So I think sensing should happen at every level, right? So uh, in a very simple case, a team that has a product owner or a manager or any outward facing role, often I don't see those roles really facing outward. So Mm -hmm. uh, I don't see product owners running around meeting customers enough. And I don't see managers doing that or leaders doing that and the people in the teams themselves as well. So sensing is first of all getting out of the building it is networking but it's also having a good and deep look at your own future and at future scenarios Mm. so it's also sometimes you know getting a bit more detached from the day-to-day work to really look forward and to have this forward-looking process of of discovery.
0: I really subscribe and I really love the the idea of sensing would partially involve getting out of the building and getting to know your customers on a deeper level so How would you go about doing that? Is that just simply looking up who your customers are on Meetup, Google, um, find out <laughs> where they hang out? Like, I can. I think a lot of these, a lot yeah. of the advices we hear around this, while intrinsically they do have good intent and they it's common sense. Where it becomes a bit tricky is execution. So. Right. I'm sensing, or I'm choosing to sense as an organization, a startup, and we want to get out of the building. Exactly. What are kind of practical tips around
1: that? Right. Okay. So... I think one danger or one pitfall would be to only sense from your Excel sheet, right? So there's this whole hype of being data-driven, which is fine. It's fine to be data-driven. However, the data can itself never provide an answer, right? It's not data doesn't talk. So people talk. And that's why I think you should always look for qualitative feedback. Mm -hmm. next to quantitative of course and those are the ones that have the biggest social barriers how do I actually talk with customers what questions do I dare to ask of them Mm -hmm. and how do I uh, reintroduce those questions and their answers in my organization to make others feel what the customer feels Mm -hmm. and those are pretty hard things to do Mm -hmm. and I would say that a lot of startup founders and and others uh, in big corporations are more focused on concepts and data instead of people and their actual feelings
0: concepts and data so you've mentioned agile before and that's right. definitely something i would love to drill in. so concepts right i think people get caught up in the concept of scrum and kanban and there's a entire war between which methodology to pick right um, but it's people orientated at the end of the day so what what are your thoughts around that
1: yeah, so it's very interesting that you you notice the uh, methodology wars. And this happens between Scrum and Kanban, but it also happens between, well, safe and less, right? And the scaling yeah. frameworks, et cetera. The ultimate Agile ninja, of course, so to say, would combine any instruments or tools that are necessary to, to get the job done. However, you know, there's still a lot of us who like out-of-the-box solutions, right? I buy this solution, I buy Scrum, I buy Save, so it should work for me. Well, mm-hmm. it doesn't work that way. So the real trick is, of course, is to start engineering Agile organizations. So not using Agile for engineers, but actually using the engineering mindset to get together the best lines of code, as an engineer would say. But in our world, that would probably be getting to together the best aspects of these social technologies and the best instruments to serve those teams and those people. I love watching the wars because there's a lot of, you know, juicy discussions going on and we can learn from them. However, the only truth out there is what is really happening in your organization. And that never has a very simple answer. Hmm. Otherwise it would not be a complex system.
0: So you've used the word social technology, which yeah. and and taking more of an engineering mindset. Yeah. Which is interesting because a few days back, I thought to myself, I should change my title to being a cultural engineer, engineer cultures, right? When you say adopting an engineering mindset, what do you mean with that?
1: Yeah. So engineering in the sense that you look at your organization as a stack of, well, let's say very oddly shaped Lego blocks and you try to build something out of it. Now... The hard part here is that these Lego blocks are actually people and they are very unpredictable sometimes. So it's even a higher level of engineering. It's, a, it's social engineering, basically, in which you try to get together the right people, but also the right mindset and way of working that serves them. So yeah, it's very much engineering in the sense that it's a very complex puzzle you're trying to solve. And it's one you can not solve by just figuring out one solution. It's something you can only solve by sensing and responding all the time.
0: I hear a lot of what you say and where my thought is going is that how come this makes or it appears to make sense for people who unfortunately are in the trenches. Right. But when it comes to leadership, so the ones who are far detached from it, it doesn't. So how can you go about bringing that message across to them so that they do understand that culture is something that is constructed it's right. something you engineer right. and that there are technology tools out there but they're social technology right. tools and they prove to be successful in other places right and how do you bring it across that they understand it's not a one size fit all and it's a, a constant as you just said sensing and probing right. and right. experimenting how do you right. bring that across to someone who's not necessarily involved in the date?
1: well that's very that's a very interesting question first of all because the leaders we have out there are usually used to well creating successful business concepts so they're starting from the concept and they're not starting from the culture or from the organization right it's mm-hmm. not their strong suit naturally Because if you have a brilliant business idea, it's usually not an idea in the sense of let's build an amazing culture and on top of that sell a product. It's usually let's sell the product and let's see what happens with the culture later. So actually starting from a different vantage point, different starting point, starting from a culture or starting from the way an organization moves, it's a total mind shift. So actually helping leaders realize that, of course, it's a huge task. We aren't there yet. But I hear some promising voices, uh, especially from Silicon Valley, where leaders are saying, hey, you know, Culture is my top priority. And uh, I even heard the CEO of Verizon say this, which is, of course, a huge company. He said, as a leader, I'm busy with only two things. What's our strategy? right? Which direction are we moving in? And how can we improve our culture? So, And actually, I would say, even if he scraps the strategy, being busy with culture would still be enough Mm. and would still make his organization successful.
0: Mm. So starting off with culture. Exactly. What does that look like?
1: Yeah, what does that look like? So... Now, there's the big question of how you define culture. Yeah. Uh, you could say that it's a bunch of interactions in a certain pattern, right? So we're used to behaving in a certain way and thinking in a certain way. And it's a sum of all of that. Mm-hmm. So just starting a cultural change program doesn't usually get anybody excited. Uh, exactly because it. it is so, f- uh, so vague. Yeah. Mm. So... Changing culture should be around unearthing those patterns, making them transparent and making them a topic of discussion, right? So one of the big challenges, of course, is to be honest enough and open enough to actually discuss cultural patterns right? So we see a lot of things happening. We see leadership behaving a certain way. We see teams behaving a certain way, but we're just not, we don't feel safe enough to address it. Mm. So the start of any cultural change should be the ability to address those patterns. And that should start by, well, bringing people together to actually look at them, right? So, and to reflect. And if you Mm. don't have any time to reflect on your culture, there's no way to change it anyway
0: yes and i think that's something where i so if you don't have time to reflect on your culture then that's probably the number one place you want to start exactly um i think unfortunately especially here in london a lot of whether you're a startup or a corporation there is such a focus on delivery that there is absolutely no time to reflect right something that i've personally done in the past is doing workshops around system thinking so Mm. letting the system show you where the problems are and that's something I would like to drill down a bit more with you is something that someone's presented to me is that the system will signal to you where it's having problems right and signals can look like many different things it can look like conflict right it can look like frustration it can look like people exiting right so with the companies that you've worked with have you seen signals where you see the system is just not working and it's Mm. trying to tell you hey, we've got a problem.
1: Right. So this systems thinking perspective you're bringing in here, I think is very useful, especially because it shows that it's something bigger than people themselves, right? Mm. It's by definition, it's a system. So what is very challenging about that is you can't change it alone. It cannot be some leader someday saying, hey, we have to change this because the system might just get back at him, right? Mm. Or get back at her. So the challenge there is that it's a collective problem. So it becomes a problem of the whole system. And being able to address that at a systems level is huge. Now, the interesting thing about systems thinking is the thinking part, right? That you're actually thinking about how the system works and how it creates certain behavioral patterns. And, well, thinking for me, again, is reflection. And for that, you need time. So I think the approach you talked about, which is taking the time to look at the system, is, is key.
0: Mm. So, so we can go into a lot of that topic into yeah. more detail, but something, two things I'm really interested right. in hearing from you guys is what are some of the things that you guys are successful in? So success stories, because we're always curious to see where things are getting better. Right. And what are some lesser things that you've not been successful mm. with? So areas that you've identified as an organization where you want to improve with You're regarding right. to creating a better, faster and happier Right. Capital H. Yeah, so,
1: you know, some success stories and some horror stories I hear you ask for. (laughs) Yeah, well, obviously, they're very diverse. But just to pick out a a success story, uh, we're working a lot with HR organizations now, actually. Because, well, organizations are discovering that people are essential to their success. And HR is still very much a procedural, operational part of the organization. So the successes we have there are mainly about... Well, changing the mindset in HR, but also changing their instruments. And to name a very simple one, uh, we have helped a big retail organization work on their performance management uh, system. And what you see there is that traditionally that's a very slow and long cycle system. And to create a much shorter cycled one in which people have frequent stand-up-like conversations about their growth and their development is actually a great way to improve well, the people side of an organization. So performance management and HR, I think, are, have a huge potential. And we're working a lot with these types of organizations. And that's just to name an example. Also, what I see is our successes are also a lot in skilled agile applications. So if you have a bunch of teams, the risk of agile organizations is that those teams will become the new silos. So it's great to have a multidisciplinary team. But if you have a whole bunch of them, before you know it, they'll, they'll start disconnect. So bringing them together in a room often is a huge success. Just to have them share and, and strategize together. So those are some highlights of our recent work. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, there's also stuff that doesn't go well. Yeah, to name a recent example, a leadership team where we're helping at a big insurance company. They feel the need to change. They see that you know the insurance industry is changing rapidly. But they have a hard time to really change you know, their management team mindset. So they're open to the concepts, but not to the practical application of it. So it's mm. it's it's very hard to get them out of their routine. And I think, you know, we're working with them for half a year now. I think we need way more time even to break those patterns. And as many leadership teams, you know, they've seen the big four and all the big consultancy firms come along and, and try to help them, but it's never been sustainable. Mm. So I'm trying to kind of reinvent this, this problem we're in right now to see if we can move towards a more sustainable agile leadership mm. behavior from the leadership team because they are the biggest impediment to growth
0: mm, yeah i have this thing that the more as the days go by the more i'm convinced that the leadership team should start operating as a scrum team yeah <laughs> so visualize your workflow exactly have a organizational whip limit yeah. and just get together yeah. and actually operate as a team yeah but we might actually have to record that as a separate
1: episode right. because
0: I think that's definitely a topic. But well, because we're getting close to the end, right. I like to leave the listeners with some things that they can go away and plug and play into their own lives. And this is really looking at it from a tooling perspective or even books. Right. So what are any tools that you guys are using to either help your clients get better, faster and happier or yourself? Or what are any books that you say every single person should mm. read this book because it will make things better for right.
1: you? Right. Great. So, I think a book I would recommend, uh, a book in English, because, um, uh, yeah, it would be the book Unlearn. It's a pretty new book by Barry O'Reilly. Well, he's a great connection of mine. And basically, what he tries to describe is that we try to learn a lot, but we forget to actually say goodbye to certain unproductive patterns Mm. and ways of thinking. And so, often it takes active unlearning to be able to learn new things. Mm. So... And he makes this very practical and very applicable to the Agile world in which we're stuck in a lot of behaviors and the key is to start unlearning. So that starts with identifying what types of behavior brought you where you are right now, but will not help you in the next phase. So that's a book I would recommend. Apart from that, of course, our own books about Agile HR uh, and Scrum. And we're doing more and more work within virtual reality. So teams that are in different locations uh, to help them actually collaborate in new ways. So we've been busy building a platform around that, which we're already using now, which is called Team Spaces VR. So that's a nice tool for new ways to collaborate and to be really immersed into a type of design environment. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. And of course, there's other ones. So...
0: Oh, I Excellent. think the Teamspace one is yeah. really exciting. Great. Yeah, if yeah. there's any if there's any resources or any link that you guys can share, then I can yeah. make sure that the listeners get access right. to that. If there's
1: yeah, great. Yeah. I mean, there's there's one more thing by the way. We're doing research into the way HR organizations apply Agile. Yeah, and it's called the State of Agile HR. Uh, so you can find that at thestateofagilehr.com. Now. That gives you an opportunity to actually give feedback on how HR is or is not using Agile principles. And we'll publish the first state of Agile HR at the end of the summer.
0: Oh, that's exciting. I'll make sure, uh, for those who are listening, I'll make sure that I add that to the description box. And yeah, thank you. That's it.
1: Thank you, Nancy. Very inspiring.
0: (laughs) Okay, bye guys.